Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to another stellar, incredible episode of Outside the Sheds. I am your Shed Adamus, and on the NRL side, I am your Shed Adamus and host of this carnival that we call Outside the Sheds, this foray into footy greatness that we talk about each and every week, and we come together as one tribe to talk about these two great games. Shedheads, I hope you're having a great week. I can't say mine has been great or that mine has been not great. I do know in the part of the country that I live in, we're in trouble because it's already in the 90s and I'm not even in May yet. And if I'm not in May yet in the part of the country that I live in, in the divided states of America, I will tell you this right now. We're in trouble come July, August, September, October, you name it. I can't even wait to see what hurricane season is going to be like, Shedhead. So hopefully you're down under in New Zealand and in Australia. You don't have to. Not I know my, my friends and family down in Australia. You guys have been dealing with some tough times. I think Sydney's seen the sun once in the last 12 years, right? You guys feel like with all the rain you're getting down there. But I just don't want to know and I don't want to say that it's climate change. <clears throat> it's climate change. But I will tell you. It's not going to be a fun summer here where I'm at. But enough about my weather, because you're not here to talk about my Doppler. You're here to talk about footy. And let's get started with the 40-20. And I guess you can say that we had some pretty incredible picks this week, don't we, Shedheads? Your Shed Adamus going 8 for 8 with his picks. Uh, I have to admit, you can't get better than that. Now, we won't talk really about the AFL side, but the NRL side... We took names, kicked a little you-know-what, and we went right to the bank, as they would say. So let's start off with these. We started with Thursday night with a game that a lot of people were really interested to see. How Manly was going to do without Turbo, and how Newcastle was going to do with all the impending um, Kalen Ponga saga that's right around the corner, right over the berm, whatever you want to say. And we talk that Kalen's met with the Dolphins and blah, 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 blah. We know that there's a, a, a line that's coming up soon that's going to have to be crossed one way or the other if Kalen's going to sign on with Newcastle or if he's going to go follow uh, Wayne Bennett and his band of merry men up at Redcliffe and go with the Dolphins. But what we did find out is that Manly is ready to play and play their... I don't want to say their best football because their best football will be with Turbo. But what they are there to show and what they're there to say is that they are ready to play good footy. Uh, Ruben, Ruben Garrick filled in well uh, at the fullback position. And Manley cruises to a 36 victory over the Knights. Uh, a lot of questions. A lot of questions are going to have to be answered up in Newcastle. And I know... Um, they're kind of getting to that point, especially with who they've got to play this week. They're getting to that point where they're going to have to take a forward step. And I I don't know if, if Ponga is carrying an injury or what's going on there, but he just does not seem like that much of a dynamic player, especially for a player that's going to ask the money he's about ready to ask for. So I'm really interested to see what 
the future holds for Kalen and, and if we get some answers of what's going on because he's just not running the ball the way we're used to seeing him run. Then we had probably, I don't want to say it's a bad blood match, but when some when when a coach leaves one team to take over the reins at another team, you know there, there's some feeling in that game. And we got that with the Warriors and Cowboys in that tussle. And Magic Johnson, Sean Johnson, we're going to talk about him a little bit later in the 40-20, kicking the goal in, 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 in golden point, the field goal in golden point, leading the Warriors to a 25-24 win over the Cows in a really hard-fought match, hard-fought game. Uh, both teams left it out on the field. Uh, both teams left it out on the field in, in performance and in some uh, slurs that were said. Uh, but a really, really good match. One that was pretty darn captivating and I think really, really performed. Then we had the Roosters and the Broncos. Matches that usually always, you know, I don't know what to say about that. The Roosters and the Broncos, when they get together, you really don't ever know what to expect. And and the Broncos have been out of form and not playing the greatest of football the last couple weeks. But one thing I will tell you is the Roosters held serve, took care of business 24-20 to over the Broncos. Joey Manu, uh, again, stellar performance for Manu. Uh, he really is. I'm curious to see if Joey Manu stays healthy this season. It's going to be very interesting to see what his back-end performance is going to be like because he looks like when he's on the field now that he's the best player on the field. And he performed again in that same type of that same type of way that he did um with that type of football. The brand of footy he plays is just really fun to watch. And I'm so excited that after his injury that he had last year with the, with the facial fracture, that he's come back and is performing uh, at top level. And then we had the, the old boys match, or, or the be- best friends, you are my best friend, uh, between Bellyache and Sticky, Storm versus Raiders. Uh, those new signings sure put on a show, didn't they? 30-16, Storm. I don't want to say they dominated over the Raiders, but they definitely put it to the Raiders and Sticky and the boys. Rabbitohs 24, Dragons 12. Bunnies win a, 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 a an important match, a match that really they weren't troubled much in. But I think the news coming out of that is the Luttrell injury. Again, something we're going to talk about in a little bit more detail here in a few minutes. But uh, uh, that really left a black eye in that victory. So we'll have to see going forward what what Latrell's absence from the team, what that spells for the for the Bunnies, a team that's really trying to get into stride um, without their captain. You know, with 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 Adam Reynolds being uh, jettisoned or or leaving to go up to Brisbane, we'll have to wait to see what the future holds for the Bunnies. Eels twenty six, Titans twenty. I think a match that might be best rem- remembered for a formed tackle. On a female, uh, she wasn't really a streaker, but she was a pitch invader. And she got uh, both barrels and a tackle that uh, even she said was a great tackle. She's now been on the radio ever since, uh, talking on morning radio, and said that the the, the security guard that tackled her uh, has no nothing to be sorry for. He shouldn't be reprimanded. And you're right, he shouldn't be reprimanded. She shouldn't have been out on the field. But... Uh, the, the reaction of Mitchell Moses as he stands next to the official when she gets tackled might have been, to me, the play of the week in both in both codes. His reaction of, like, when he saw that, 
it's it's if you haven't seen it, please go back and rewatch it. It's 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 some stunning footage uh, of Mitchell's reaction to the tackle. But the Eels win the match, 26-20. The Guthrino, uh Clint Gutherson getting two tries on on the day. And the Eels continue to maybe be the form team of the competition. I really can't wait to when they when they lock horns um, with the Panthers here in a few weeks. Sharks 30, Tigers 4. The Sleepless Tigers drop to a new low. They do something that's never been done in franchise history. They start the season 0-5. Madge is now going to start shaking things up, which we're going to get ready to get into here in depth. But uh, I, I don't know what else you can do. And what more you can say. But I will tell you something. We're going to find out a lot this week. Because right now, the Sharks, to me, might be the foreign team in the competition. Them, the Eels, and the Panthers have really separated themselves from everybody else. And Melbourne's right there, too, even though they lost head-to-head against the Eels. But uh, it is going to be something that I can't wait to watch and we're going to talk about here in a second and then finally ending it out Panthers 32 Bulldogs 12 uh I guess you could call it the Kyle Flanagan return to uh the NRL match and 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 little Flano held his own he played well in defense he he gave a little bit of a kicking um performance that I think the Bulldogs have been missing but uh it's good to see Kyle back up in the in the top grade uh, and I think that he can do some. Now, the question is, does he stay with the Bulldogs? But for the foreseeable future, I think he is going to be uh, the halfback at that club. Again, I told you, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, Shedheads. But going eight for eight for the week is something I'm quite proud of. And, and you know, you have to have everything break just right. You know, the Warriors almost cost me that, two, you know, a game in, or two games into the uh, weekend. But uh, it was a good week. It was a very, very good week. Uh, and if we were throwing down a few ducats, we might be, uh, how would Matty John say, I'm, eat- I'm ready to eat some seafood on those wins. But let's get into some serious business here. And that is what the Bunnies are going to do after Luttrell uh, getting injured this weekend. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, the scans and everything has come back. And the injury is a little bit more severe than what they originally were thinking. You're looking at a tendon tear and not just a muscle strain or a pull. Now, why that's so important is, you know, I don't know what sports you watch, Shedheads, but Kevin Durant had a similar injury to this. And he came back early and tried to play on it. And that is what caused KD to tear his tendon or tear his uh, Achilles tendon. Because he came back early and he ruptured that tendon because of it being, how should we say, uh, uh, it, it was just a little bit more acceptable for a further injury. And that injury can be in the Achilles. So with that, they're going to have to rest him. Uh, there's no coming back early for Luttrell. Uh, they have to make sure that, that that tendon tear is completely healed uh, and that he can't do any further damage on it. Now that means, unfortunately, that we're not going to see Latrell back on the field for another four, excuse me, eight weeks or two months. So you're going to now be, how should I said, you're, you're all your eggs are in the basket of the, of Team Blake Taft, and we've seen how he played 
uh, when Latrell wasn't playing last year. He played pretty well back in the fullback position for for the Rabbitohs, and, and, and he played well enough that they played in the grand final last year. But I don't know if anybody's saying that he's Latrell. Now, what I will say is if Latrell can't get back into top fitness, and I don't know if any of us have seen Latrell in top fitness, Latrell always looks, you know, you, you look back in the day with GI, Greg Inglis looked like he was chiseled out of granite, right? He looked like if you ran into him, you were going to bounce off him, and then you were going to have to shake off the, the stars you were seeing rotating around your head. Latrell always looks a little doughy. You know what I'm saying? Like his his midsection, when he pulls on the jersey, it's tight, but it might be tight for the wrong reasons. Now, this does not take away the athlete or the or the specimen that he is as a rugby league player. But what it does say is, what would Latrell be like if he actually was match fit ready? If he actually, you know, and I don't know what he does, but that type of diet it's got to be diet, is the way that he looks the way that he looks. And he's soft. Now, he's got, you know, power and strength of a bull. But the question is, if you're not in peak performance conditioning, in a peak performance sport, you are going to get injuries. And you're going to cop knocks. That's just what happens. And... I really question his fitness. I question the way that he, the, the shape of his body. Um, and I think what Latrell really has to do is he has to look himself in the mirror because I, what I think is going to happen is if Latrell doesn't really get serious about his fitness and, and maybe his diet and the way that he eats, and, the, and if he doesn't clean that up, I think you're going to see the Latrell injury happen yearly because the body's not prepared for the sport that it's that you're going to put it through. So I'm really wondering when he comes back, and it's, and because of this injury, he is going to miss Origin 1. So now, you know, Brad Fittler's got to look at, at who he's going to be playing in that fullback position uh, or who he's going to be playing at centers and how he's going to have to mix up the club because, you know, Latrell is been playing, has been playing, excuse me, in the, in the centers position. So who do you put in there and... Uh, so, you know, it's it's going to be a headache for, for both clubs, for both his his side and for his 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 origin side. But I think the only thing all of us can hope for is Latrell just comes back as healthy as possible. But it will be fascinating to see where he comes back at and what shape he is to go forward for the rest of the season. Now, going back with a player that has come back from injury recently, and that is Sean Magic Johnson. And Sean Johnson has been one of my favorite players. I'll, I'll never forget the move Sean Johnson made at the World Cup at Wembley State. Excuse me, I think he was at Old Trafford when he made that step. Um, the big step to rip the heart out of England and to take the Kiwis to the championship. Uh, one of the greatest runs and in, in, in solo performances that I've seen in rugby league. That's not the same player we've got right now with Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson's legs uh, just... You know, he's got the quick step and he's got fast moves, but he's just not that explosive of a player that we saw back during that time. It happens to everybody. But I think what we see is that the New Zealand Warriors, the Warriors are a better club with Sean Johnson steering them around the field. And Sean again proved that besides just his his, his playmaking ability, he's also steadies that side. The, the, the Warriors play a different brand of footy when Johnson is there, 
and when he plays the ball and is steering them around. That's one. But two, his kicking game is off the chain. And them getting that one-point victory in Golden Point with Johnson's boot, uh, I, I think that was really, really cool. I think the emotion that Sean Johnson showed after the match was almost as cool as the performance that he did with the golden boat, the the golden point kick, and I and 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 he said something that you just don't hear players say. He said, "I grew up watching the Warriors," and he says, "I still I almost pinch myself that I'm still putting this jersey on and playing for a club I grew up loving," and and hearing a player that's one of the best players in the game speak from his heart to what it means to him and to almost and Sean Johnson's an emotional guy. He is. But to see the emotion and to see what it means to him, I think we just don't see it in sport enough anymore. And when you finally see it again, it's man, it's a breath of fresh air. So, you know, I've, I've, I've been pulling for the Warriors for, for quite a while, especially in the standpoint that they have not been able to play at home uh, and they've been not sleeping in their own beds. Um, and and I, I'm so happy that's about ready to change, that they're about ready to go back to New Zealand and be able to play in front of their fans. And, 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 and my Kiwi people, my New Zealanders, if you aren't there to support the Warriors with all chips in the middle of the table, everybody's showing up to Mount Smart, to wherever they play, um, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Because what this club has done, not being able to play in front of you and not being able to play in front of their home crowd or on home soil... Um, is something they should be commended for and shown proper love for. So uh, congratulations to Sean. Hopefully he stays healthy for the rest of the season. Congratulations to the Warriors on that big victory. And I can't wait to see you guys playing back on home soil. Now, unfortunately, when you talk about sport, you go from positive to negative to negative to positive to positive to negative. Well, we're going to the negative side. And we're going to Madge McGuire and the West Tigers. Because I don't know if you Shedheads have heard what is going down at the West Tires now because now after Madge and, and, and James Talmo sat up there and tried to compare where the Tigers are at right now to the Penrith Panthers a few years ago and that they're building something going forward, which is to me one of the biggest jokes I've ever heard of. No, nothing against James Talmo, but get out of here with that nonsense. That's ridiculous. But that being said, I want to talk to you about the new the new push that Madge is having, that we're going to change everything by changing our halves and putting different numbers on their jerseys. That's right. Michael McGuire has now named Jackson Hastings as his halfback and, 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 and naming him in the seven and giving him the reins to steer the club around the field and moving Luke Brooks from that, that halfback position to 5-8. Now, here's the thing I have with this. I am happy about this because I do think Jackson Hastings is a better player than Luke Brooks. But my problem with it is we've already seen these two guys playing together in the halves early in the season. And Jackson Hastings has been biting at the bit to get back on the field after his suspension. We understand that as well. But I think the rudder and and the ship just needs a different captain and commander. And... I know that that this is Madge grabbing at straws. This is Madge doing everything he can to try to hold on to his job. And I don't know if he's thinking that 
that this mix-up and having Jackson uh, have the keys to the Lamborghini, I'm sorry, to the Studebaker, <laughs> is going to make that much of a difference. I do think that Jackson Hastings is an upgrade. And we saw, we see now that he is named Jock Madden on the bench. So I don't know if that means if, if Luke Brooks doesn't come out firing or if he doesn't play a little bit more of a performance of a little bit more passion out on the field, if we won't see Jock Madden come sliding into that 5-8th position and play alongside Jackson Hastings. I would not mind seeing that. I've seen enough of Luke Brooks for me to know that I'm ready to sell. And did I say sell? And to sell. Did I say sell? And to sell. And I think Luke Brooks just needs a change of environment. I think he needs a change of city. I think he needs a change of jersey. I think he needs a change of coaching. I think he just needs a change. And holding on to a guy who's asked for a release is only delaying the inevitable. So I don't know if this is a step closer to the inevitable. And that is that we're getting ready to see the last few weeks of Luke Brooks in a Tigers jersey. Are we getting ready to see the last few weeks of the Madge era? I don't know. None of us know. But I do think that it's awfully fascinating that during this time of the club being the trials and tribulations that it's in, during the time of them going 0-5, their CEO, Justin Pascoe, goes on holiday to the Northern Territories. Wow. I, I want to ask you a question. and this We'll leave it at this. Well, let's talk about some of the best and most winning franchises in all sport, right? First off, let's talk about Pat Riley with the Miami Heat. If the Heat started the season, let's say 0-15, because you have to think about the amount of games they play in the NBA and, and compared to the amount of games they play in the NRL, right? So it'd be like the Heat starting 0-15. Do you think for a second you would see Pat Riley going to 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 Spain on holiday while his team is languishing at 0-15 to start their season? I don't think so. And let's use one other person. Let's use Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots. Now, Mr. Kraft might be going to uh, Orchids of Asia for a massage, hint, hint, but after that beautiful massage and the release of tension, he probably is back in his box by the end of the evening, by the end of the day, or back on his plane to get back to Foxborough or whatever. But what I'm saying is besides a release of tension, Bob Kraft is back in New England with the Patriots and not on holiday if they start the season uh, there's 17 games, 16 games. If they start the season 0-5 as well, let's just say. 0-4. No. So when you see a leader of an organization that is faulty at best going on holiday, when your team can't get a victory, your coach is on the, on the burner, your, your star halfback that none of you guys want to sell under the bus, none of you guys want to cut ties with, is saying he wants to leave, I think that's the last time you want to do a, how should I say, holiday. That's me. But maybe this is why the West Tigers are the West Tigers right now. And, 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 and I know that it's tough. I know it's tough. But maybe we should open that mirror up and take a darn 
darn, darn, darn hard look in it. Because Tigers, I've always said that, yes, Madge isn't your coach. I've always said, yes, Luke Brooks isn't your future. But I've also said that there's problems that Pasco needed to go. I said that. You go back and look on one of my previous episodes. I said when the Tigers were at the end of the season and they made these calls and decided to, how should I say, keep everything as is, I said Pasco had to go, that they needed to clear up from the top down. So no one listens to me. No one listens to your Shed Adamas, even though I'm the voice of reason. And that's why the Tigers are 0-5. And I predicted that they were going to start off bad again. And I also said the Magic would be gone by round four. So I missed on that one. But it's coming. And we'll have to see where they go. I, I said last year Christian Wolf. Did I not? I said last year Christian Wolf. And now there's rumblings. Uh, as you hear all these pundits and all these voices of the game kind of starting to hint about Christian Wolf. I think Christian Wolf would be insane to go to the Tigers after what he's built in St. Helens. But at the same time, Christian Wolf is a man that loves challenge. And who knows? Maybe that is the challenge he wants, is to prove himself. And let me put it to you this way. If Christian Wolf comes into the West Tigers and in two to three seasons has them in the playoffs, we already know the type of coach that I think Christian Wolf is. And that's a winner. So we'll have to wait and see. But big news out of Tigers town, out of the Tigers We've got a new seven that's going to lead us to the promised land. Now, like I said, we're on a roller coaster here. Let's talk about positives. And the positives coming out of the foot of the Blue Mountains is Team Cleary, Nathan, and Ivan have inked a deal five years, it looks like, extensions to stay with the club. If they are seen out, Ivan will be the longest tenured coach in the history of the Penny Panthers. And that will take Nathan to almost his 30th birthday as their fullback, excuse me, as their halfback and leader of their club. And I, you know, and I, and I have to say, this is what teams that win, teams that get it, this is what they do. They, 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 they nail down their coaches, they nail down their star players, and they just let you know this is how it is. He's going nowhere. No reason to even talk about it. And that's what they've done. They've, 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 they've locked up Team Cleary, and they don't have anything to worry about for the foreseeable future. So that's all you can say. The foot of the Blue Mountains. Congratulations, Panthers, for showing a lot of the other teams in the NRL how to handle business the right way. Now, I want to talk to you as we finish out the 40-20 before we go into our picks about a game that I am so excited about, and that is the Saturday night clash between the Melbourne Storm and the Cronulla Sharks. You've got Dale Finucane. You've got Nico Hines coming back home to take on their former side. You've got a, a, a Cronulla Sharks side that really wants to prove that they are a top four side, that this hasn't been smoke and mirrors the beginning of this season, that they are playing the football that can beat anybody. And what better way to prove that point than having two two old veterans of that club, and I know Nico Hines isn't old enough to be called an old veteran, but he is a Storm player, or he was a Storm player. And I cannot wait to see this, this, this battle. 
I, I just, it is going to be, I think, phenomenal. And I think up to this point, it could go and be the game of the season. That's the potential that we have here with this with this showdown that's coming up. So I can't wait to tell you what my pick is for this game, but I think we're going to see it all. And I think we're going to see, it, it's going to be awesome because now you're going to have Pappenhausen facing Nico Hines. And I, like I said, there's so many there's so many subplots and stories to this match. It is why we watch the games. It is why we get up for them. So make sure you you have your DVR set, that you're staying up late at night. As the great T.O. would say, have your popcorn ready because this is going to be one of those matchups you cannot miss. Now, let's go into our picks for this week. Let's keep our fingers crossed because you don't go eight for eight every week, do you, Shedheads? But Thursday night, we've got the Cowboys taking on Sticky's boys, the Raiders. The Raiders really need a victory. So do the Cows, but you have to say that the Cowboys have been playing the better football. I am going to, because of that reason, going to take the Cowboys in that match over the Raiders. Friday, Bulldogs versus the Rabbitohs kick it off. And I don't think I have to go too far there, even with Latrell not in. I think Blake Taft. What a better match for him to, how should I say, uh, get the legs shaken out. I've got Rabbitohs over the Dogs. Then we have Broncos versus the Panthers uh, at the foot of the Blue Mountains. I think that tells us everything right here. I, I see it very, 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 did I say very slim? I see no chance. Panthers over the Broncos in that one. Saturday, Titans versus the Sea Eagles. I, I think we saw the Seagulls club we were going to see going forward. For some reason, under Desi the last, they just have been starting slow. It looks like they have the gears figured out for this sports car. And I have them beating the Titans on this kickoff Super Saturday. Then we have the Sharks versus the Storm, the match that I told you that I cannot wait to see. Uh, and this was a tough one. I, it was a tough pick, but I am really sold on the Cronella Sharks. I think the Sharks are going to have an, a, a, a long season. And a, in a season, I think they're going to have a season to remember. I can't say that they're going to match the feats of 2016, but I do think they're, they're playing good enough football to go deep into the, go into, the, um, uh, to, into the playoffs. So I'm taking the Sharks over the Storm. On Saturday, then we have the Warriors versus the Roosters. I know the Warriors had an emotional victory over their old coach Todd Payton and the Cows, but I think the Roosters. I think Joey Manu. I think I just think that they are going to play. You know, Jeremiah Hargraves is always plays well against the Warriors, so I have the Roosters over the Warriors. Sunday Knights versus the Dragons. Whew! Both teams needing a victory. Both teams have a lot of questions to answer, but I'm going to surprise a lot of you. I'm going Dragons. I think Hooks boys are going to surprise. I think Ben Hunt's going to have a comeback explosive match, and I've got the Dragons over the Knights. And then Easter Monday. Easter Monday. You know what that means? I've been there. I've actually, I have actually attended this match before. An Easter Monday class showdown. Between the Tigers and the Eels. Yeah, Dom, take it easy. Take it easy. 
this isn't gonna, this doesn't take me long. I've got the Eels over the Tigers. The question is how bad the Eels beat the Tigers on Easter Monday because I don't think there's any rebirth happening on that match for the Tigers. So that ends our picks. <sighs> All right, here comes the transition. We go from my eight for eight in NRL picks to my four for nine in AFL picks. We did not have a stellar uh, picking, uh, how should I say, uh, situation in, in in the AFL, but that's okay. It happens. It happens. Uh, there were some unforeseen situations, but what can you do? What we do is we, we, we rebound and we attack this week going forward. But let's go over these scores. I did say one of my picks was the D's would handle business. They did. Demon 68, power 36. Uh, the D's continue to roll. They continue to surge as the power continue to, continue to falter. My, I'd say the match that surprised me, the Cats coming back and beating the Lions and winning 80-70. to 70. Uh, Hawkins kicking five. Uh, and that lets a streak continue for the Cats over the Lions uh, in Geelong. Swans 86, Ruse 75. Uh, Swanee's holding off a spirited ruse club. Eagles 87, Magpies 74. Uh, there, You know, this is the match that's, that shocked me because I thought for sure the Pies were going to go up and handle business, but the Eagles, showing they're not dead yet, uh, get the victory. Tigers 99, Bulldogs 61. Tigers showing the heart of a champion. Uh, they really rallied. They really came out swinging to prove uh, that they are not going anywhere. They even their record at 2-2. Two and two. And like I said, I had them going far this year, so hopefully uh, they're trying not to make a liar out of me. Dockers 88, Giants 54. The, the early tug of war uh, ends up being kind of a blowout for Fremantle. Bombers 103, Crows 99. Maybe the match of the year up to this point, this match. It was a back-and-forth battle. Uh, the Bombers getting off the slide, gets their, get their first victory of the season, and leaves the Crows again with nothing to hold for a tough-played match. Saints 142, Hawks 73. Well, the only thing you can say for that is it looks like that match might have cost uh, some, some pain for, for the Hawthorne Hawks at training uh, on Monday, because they went at it in a heavy tackling session, a heavy hitting session, kind of a, a throwback session uh, to get back some of their fierceness and some of their, their scramble and straight brutality. Suns 92, Blues 62. The Suns finally shine for Gold Coast, and the Blues fairy tale start to the season finally ends. Uh, we are going to talk about that one in more detail right now, because like I said, the fairy tale ending, or I shouldn't say ending because the season is just starting. The fairy tale beginning of the season for the Carlton Blues took a hit, um, and I and I think you have to point to them kind of falling off the bubble, falling off the boil right there. I think it goes down to Cripps going down early. I think his first quarter. Um, 
injury to his hamstring and him having to be removed from the game, I think it changed the entire way Carlton played. I think their spirit was tested, and I think it really cost him. I really, really do. Um, it's, it's really fascinating to me when a club loses a leader, let alone their captain, right? And it happens early. What happens? Do they either rally for him or is it such a blow that they don't see him on the field or on the pitch that they don't really know how to handle or what to do? And I think we got to see that even though they've been playing some really good footy to start the season, that Carlton is still a young club. And a young club reacted the way a young club usually reacts when their leader, their field general, goes down with three quarters left to be played, it's tough because you just don't have that voice out on the field that is there to guide you and to lead you around. So it is going to be interesting. It's going to be telling for the Blues uh, how they perform in the absence of Cripps and how quickly it can take for him to come back from this because Patty Cripps is an important player and it was showed, I think, with bells and whistles how important um, his absence was to Carlton in their loss. Now, we've, we've, we've talked a little bit about this, but I think we have to really, again, dive back into the dismantling right now of what's going on, the lack of power for the power up in Port Adelaide, because Ken Hinckley has really got his back against the wall in this. 0-4 right now to start the season for Port Adelaide, and... You go 0-4, and what are you rewarded with? Having to beat a, a Carlton Blues club that is coming off a loss, and now you're going to have to beat them when you know they're going to be extremely motivated to prove that last week was a fluke or last week was a blip and that we're ready here to play. And I'm, I, I cannot stress to you, Shedheads, how much and how eager I am to watch what's going to happen with this match because I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be off the hook. Um, but I do think that right now, how it's looking, I, if you go back and listen to last week's episode, because I laid down what I thought was going to happen to Port Adelaide, uh, and I will get into more detail about that when we go into our picks of how I think that match is going to turn out. Now, unfortunately, it seems like we're, 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 we're hitting on all the negatives right now going on with the league, but you know, this, this, this horrible story at Collingwood about racism, about how players were treated. You know, I live in a country right now that acts like an alcoholic uncle, right? That tries to to downplay problems, tries to say that everything's good, tries to get rid of books that might make people feel uncomfortable, tries to shirk and, and, and not acknowledge that there's a past, there's a history, right? And you cannot you cannot go forward unless you address history that has hurt or slighted a certain group of people. You just can't do it. it. It does not work. And if you try to do it, you will come back and it will bite you in the ass. It will bite you in the ass. And I don't really, you know, throw around, uh, you know, uh, a little profanity on this show. We try to keep it clean on outside the sheds. But that's what will happen if you try to do that. And word now coming out that Horatio Lumumba, Leon Davis, 
and Andrew Crack, I'm going to say this wrong, Crackover, are now breaking off talks with their club because they don't feel like they're getting anywhere. They feel like they're not being addressed, that Collingwood is, is just trying to push everything under the rug, act like everything is fine. You know, Lamumba said nothing has changed. Nothing has changed at Collingwood. Yes, their president has left in, in a kind of a disgraceful manner. But if you don't address that and admit to fault, admitting that there's been some problems, talking to these players, you don't get any better. And this is a big black eye for the AFL. And the reason I say for the AFL and not just the prison bars is because now you've got the Sorioli situation going on with the Hawthorne Hawks and the things that were said to him and his wife. It's, I don't know what it's going to take for all of us to just look at people as people and, and look past the color of skin or look past who they are when they're kicking goals or scoring touchdowns or, or, or scoring tries. But people are people. We need to treat them as equal. No one is better than anyone else. All right? They just, they just aren't. And for Collingwood, for some of the stuff that Hawthorne has kind of been hemming and hawing about, how they're handling the situation with the Cyril, with, you know, with, with Rioli, it just, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And going into my last story, a guy that you hope will address this, but I don't think he will, is the AFL CEO. But Collingwood, you 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 bring Dugowie back. You don't you slap him on the wrist a little bit. I don't really think to me you are what would be the word that I'm looking for. You definitely aren't the team that all other teams should be basing their their corporate plan for greatness on because the number one thing you plan that you you set up on that is how to treat your employees or your players and Collingwood seems to have forgotten how to do that and to not address these situations uh you know I, I can't the only thing you can say is might do better because they need to do a hell of a lot better at Collingwood now I just mentioned a little bit earlier about a, the AFL CEO uh, and big, big, big news is coming out about him. Uh, McLaughlin is stepping down. And he's resigning after nine years of being in charge of the AFL. Uh, I, I think that he had to handle some problems that he was not expecting when he, when he signed on uh, nine years ago. Um, but I do think he had ended up taking the AFL to new heights. I think, you know, with the packages, you know, I'll... You're able to watch the AFL in the United States and, and excuse me, did I say that? The divided states. Uh, you're able to watch it around the world. Um, you know, you've got players from Ireland playing over in the AFL. You've got players from America playing over there. Um, so getting word, getting things out. I know the pandemic helped the AFL for a little bit. They were actually showing matches on ESPN uh, over here in America. In the divided states, they were showing him uh, because they didn't have anything else to show. And what happened? The AFL found a way to stay on the pitch. The AFL found a way to stay on the field. 
when every other sport couldn't, the AFL and the NRL, how should I say, put that son of a gun into gear and kept playing. But um, it is going to be strange to see uh, an AFL press conference without McLaughlin there. I know we get to see his brother, which to an extent is uh, like seeing him. But you're always you're always questioning and wondering what the future holds when a player like excuse me when a when a when a leader of an organization like that steps away and especially your CEO. So congratulations to a great tenure to taking the game forward. Maybe you can address some of this racism talk that's going on with Collingwood and at at, at Hawthorne before you leave. Um, but. Great job and and congratulations on a great nine years to CEO Gillen McLaughlin. So let's go into our picks here on On the Mark. We've got a big kickoff on Thursday. Magpies versus the Lions at the Gaba, one of my favorite stadiums. And I'm going with the Lions. I think that they are going to rebound after their battle with Geelong last week. And I think they're going to take it to the prison bars and Collingwood goes down. Friday, Bulldogs versus the Roos. And I am going to go with the Spirited Roos Club. I'm going with a club that showed us a lot against the Swannies last week. And I think that they're going to get that victory they've been working really, really hard for. And they beat the Bulldogs. Swans versus the Eagles. I know that the Eagles have been reborn. They got that first victory of the season. But I can't go out and say that I think that this is going to take them and they're going to ride this wave because I have the Swannies beating the Eagles. Suns versus the Saints. I know I got my boy Chol and the Suns in the win column, but I am thinking that St. Kilda is the team to beat in that, and I'm taking the Saints. Saturday, Tigers versus the Crows. The team that is 2-2. Two and two. My team that I have with a long run in the Richmond Tigers against an Adelaide Crows team that needs a victory badly. Uh, I'm taking Richmond in this one. Uh, the Richmond Tigers beat the Adelaide Crows. Giants versus the Demons. The Ds. And, hey, until they show me reason to pick otherwise, I'm going Ds all the way there. Power versus the Blues. The story that I was talking about earlier. Two clubs that are trending in different directions. Yes, I know the Blues lost last week, but they haven't lost every game of the se- this season like the Power. And I'm going to I predicted it. I think the Power start 0 and 5. I've got Carlton winning that match. Sunday, Dockers versus the Bombers. This was one I I really went back and forth on, but I think the difference is the Dockers coming down to Melbourne and I'm going to take the Essendon Bombers to get the victory. Monday, Cats versus the Hawks. Easter clash. One of, one of the games of the year always, these two rivals butting heads, fighting for supremacy. And I am taking the Cats. Tommy Hawkins and the boys I have beating the Hawks on Easter Monday. Now as we go into the guns... It was a tough, it was a, it was, it was tough, Shedheads. I'm going to tell you, it was tough picking the guns this week. But they still, we still had some pretty stellar performances. So let's fire off. My number one gun, Joey Manu, two tries, 107, excuse me, 107 running meters, two line breaks, seven tackle breaks, 
16, 16 tackles, one interception, and 14 kicking meters in his, how should I say, stellar performance for the Roosters beating the Broncos. My number two, Tommy Hawkins, the ageless wonder. Tommy Hawkins, five goals, three behinds, 14 disposals, nine kicks, five handballs, seven marks, three tackles, two clearances, 193 meters gained. Hawkins having a a match that he will remember for quite a while in helping his beloved Cats get the victory. And then finally, one word, Chol. That's right, Chol is my number three. Maybe our Chol, three goals, two behinds, nine disposals, seven kicks, two handballs, four marks, one tackle, 10 hitouts, one clearance, and 160 meters gained in the Suns' victory. Chole is going to chole. That's all I have to say. Now, outside the bubble, and I don't know, I know there's a quite a, Joey Manu's one of them. A lot of fans, Xavier Dersma, a lot of fans of the, of the hardwood, the NBA, over in Australia and New Zealand, and the NBA playoffs have kicked off with these play-in games. We got our first shot of the playoff games last night. The Nets beating the Cavaliers 115 to 108 and the Wolves 109 over the Clippers. Couple things. This victory now puts the Nets into the playoffs where they will be taking on the Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving going back to play his old club. It is going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. But, yes, I do not think COVID Kyrie has got a chance. I know KD's playing all right right now, playing pretty well. But the Boston Celtics, to me, are not scared. They went 3-4 for four during the regular season against the Brooklyn Nets. And I've got the Cavs. Excuse me. I've got the Celtics over the Nets. That's right. Sorry, Katie. Sorry, Kyrie. And Ben Simmons, I know you've got a following down in Melbourne, but you don't need to be trying to come back in this series. You don't have the legs for it right now. So don't be a distraction. Let your team play. And then you had the Wolves and the Clippers in a tussle last night. I called it the Patty Beverly game. Patrick Beverly taking on his old club. And Beverly and the Wolves come back and beat the Clippers 109-104. And... A lot of people have been talking trash about the celebration for the Minnesota Timberwolves last night. And I and I and I want to stop people before they start to condemn or to t- say bad things about the T-Wolves. You've got a team that have played finals basketball twice since 2004. Twice since 2004. If you think those guys don't have a reason to celebrate you're off your rocker. And the scenes of Patrick Beverly shedding tears as he's giving his mother running off the, when he walks off the court shows you how much that game meant to him. And it should. Because the ownership of the Clippers tried to make him feel bad, tried to call his character into question, tried to say that he was washed up. And Patrick Beverly took that to heart. He took that personally. 
And that is what we got last night was an emotional comeback, incredible game for Pat Bev and for his team. That's right. Wolves advancing, going to play some football against the Memphis Grizzlies. And I cannot, I, that might be my my Western Conference uh, first round playoff that I can't wait to watch the most is the Wolves against the Grizz. Uh, and that's a pick em to me. I, I think I think John Morant and, and, and Memphis is playing the best basketball. I think they have the most upside and talent-wise. But who knows what's going to happen there. And then tonight, I know I just saw before I went on that the uh, Atlanta Hawks beat a hapless Charlotte Hornets club, a, a club that really was playing out there like they didn't even want to be in the playing game. And the Hawks go and they beat the Hornets. Tonight, we have the Spurs versus the Pelicans at 830. Uh, and that'll be interesting to see if Pop and the boys... Uh, the game is already an hour in. Don't know the score. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if C.J. McCollum has really transformed this Pelicans team into belief and performance or if Pop finds a way to get his Spurs to play some lockdown defense and to jettison the Pelicans. But uh, definitely going to be an interesting match this evening and one I can't wait to watch. Good news for you silver and blackers out in the desert. Raider Nation, your quarterback Derek Carr signs a three-year, $121.5 million extension to stay with the silver and black. Now that he's got his favorite receiver from back in college, it will be interesting to see how Carr performs this season. I'm thinking he's going to have a big year, but it is a murderer's row, that AFC West. Uh, and I, I think it'll be more of a war of attrition than anything uh, of who wins that conference. And then I like to I like to try to end outside the sheds on a positive note. And today we get to end it with a retirement, one of the great coaches in sports history, Jerry York, head coach for the Boston College Eagles, the BC Eagles, a coach that has been with BC in college hockey for 28 seasons bringing them four national championships, is retiring. And when you talk about Jerry York, a coach that has coached college hockey for 50 years, you tell me something you've done, Shedheads, for 50 years. Because most of you aren't 50. And if you are, I guarantee you haven't done anything for 50 years yet. So to see this man, to see what he's done, you know, He's 76. You know, it's it's just impressive. It's hats off. I can't I can't say anything more. Uh, and I'm not even a BC fan, but what Jerry has done with the the Eagles and what he's done for college hockey, uh, Coach York, hats off to you. Congratulations. Uh, you deserve retirement. You've put your time in. You're 76. Right off into that sunset, like Shane on the back of his horse. Um, but the game will miss you. Uh, I know that Clarkson and Bowling Green, two other places that he coached at during that 50-year run, um, everybody who he's coached, the young men whose lives he's touched, congratulations 
on an, an incredibly stellar career uh, and a in a 28-year finish to BC. But Shedheads, that brings this episode to a close. I hope you're as excited as I am for this tussle coming up between the Sharks and the Storm on Saturday. But until that time, we've got some other footy we need to take in to get the veins warmed up for this weekend. But until next time, Shedheads, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been outside the sheds. Out the sh- outside the sheds. I was gonna try to throw the shed Adamas in there sooner than later, but I am your host, your shed Adamas, Corey Jackson. Until next week, shedheads. See ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.